When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors in game two of the NBA Finals. All of this power came from the pain. I put in twice the work, but I never complained. Curry in his bag, got it! The Warriors starting to put together one of those prolific third quarters. Curry! Cooking! Launches! Warriors have responded. They have flat out outworked the Boston Celtics. We the A team. A team. He's Jalen Rose. I'm David Jacoby. We are Jalen and Jacoby. What is it that we, get a we do? People wanted a tight series. That's exactly what they've got after game two. Obviously, the Warriors even the series at 1-1. But Jalen Rose, question for you. Who's the 31st team in the National Basketball Association? The Golden State Warriors in particular. Because the one thing they've done the last handful of years, Jacoby, is when they get into halftime, Steve Kerr and his staff does an amazing job of making adjustments. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, the basketball knowledge, intellect, discipline. They seem to come out in that third quarter and treat it like you want every team to treat the first quarter. Mm. So many times we look at what's going to happen the last two minutes of, the, of an NBA game. 66, 66% of the time when a team wins the first quarter, they win the basketball game. When you have a team like the Golden State Warriors that blitzes teams in the third quarter, that's just a mind-blowing dynamic. And if you think about it, so many times players and teams talk about winning the quarter. But you only got to win one. You only got to win one. Especially when you're going to play like the Golden State Warriors did. And here's the thing. The Boston Celtics turned the ball over way too much. And... They were forced turnovers. Yeah, they had 18, Jacoby, but 15 of those were steals. So what does that mean? Taking away the airspace of the Boston Celtics, forcing them to play in the crowd, forcing them to play with tempo. Steph Curry gets off to a great start scoring in both games. He leads the way. And then in the third quarter, the rest of the team starts to get confident. Yep. And then that's when Jordan Poole was able to start to get hot and make some plays. It was a great display of basketball by the 31st NBA team, the Golden State Warriors in the third quarter. Now, Jalen, we've been talking about the Golden State Warriors in the third quarter for, I don't know, years, <laughs> six or seven years now. But one thing that was different about last night is they didn't just get hot shooting the ball. It was the way they locked up defensively. Usually when I think about the third quarter Warriors, I see the offensive side of the ball. Last night they were doing it with the defensive side of the ball. A lot of that had to do with Draymond Green, who had something to say about the way they approached game two. Let's listen to Draymond Green. Now nah, we need that energy anyway, so... Um, for me to sit back and say, oh, I'm, 
I'm gonna push it to this edge and try to pull it back. That don't work. Um, I gotta be me. And so uh, with with the first tech, it is what it is. I, that's not gonna stop me from being aggressive or doing what I do on the basketball court. Just gotta live with the results. Well, Draymond Green had his fingerprints all over this win. What is it that he brings to this team, especially when they need him to be physical and intense? He's the anchor, right? See, the one thing about having the Splash Brothers is they're going to take and make shots from unlimited range. But you need somebody that's going to take the charge in court. That's Draymond Green. <laughs> and the one thing about him is he's an equal opportunity agitator. I was sitting at the game and literally see him get into altercations with Tatum, Brown, Grant Williams, uh, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, and I promise you, the Boston Celtics will be showing that footage to their team. Mm -hmm. And what they're gonna say to their squad is y'all let Draymond punk us. And after the first game, let's talk about the dynamic that changed overall. Al Horford ate Draymond's Green's lunch in the fourth quarter in game one. He made six threes, he made a baseline jumper, he got a couple of offensive rebounds, and he made Draymond Green virtually, uh, he, he dominated Draymond Green. And so, if you're Draymond, what do you do in the second game? Don't take 12 shots and miss 10 of them. Keep your shots down, keep your energy high, keep your defensive tenacity where it should be, because he's a replaceable player on their team. Yes, the Splash Brothers are obviously irreplaceable, but who up front can do what Draymond does? It was good to see Looney get a couple of baskets. It was great to see Gary Payton a second return. Beliza gave him some good minutes up front, but Draymond Green was the person who was agitating, being the aggressor, being the defender, being the leader, being the toughness of the Golden State Warriors, and that guy was a catalyst for them tying the series. You forgot one more Celtic that Draymond Green got into it with last night. Ime Udoka. At one point, they were going to commercial, and Draymond was talking to the head coach of the Celtics. You really felt like from the very, very jump ball that Draymond Green decided that he was going to bring the energy and the physicality that this team did not have in game one. And it led not just to a win, but it led to them really locking up the high-powered Celtics offense. You mentioned it earlier, they had 18 turnovers, and that turned into so many of the Warriors' points. What do they have to do to avoid this? See, all turnovers are not created equal. And you know I've watched too much, played too much basketball, and it's an obvious difference. That's why I don't love stats. I use them as a tool, not the toolbox. Because sometimes if you look and see a team had 18 turnovers, I mean, that could be a turnover where they're throwing the ball in the stands, where you still have to go against a set D. It could also be a turnover where somebody dribbles it off somebody's foot, but then it goes to the baseline, you secure the ball, and then you walk it up and set your offense. When you're stealing the ball, now all of a sudden you're in transition quick because that's something you can't anticipate. So now you get the three on twos. The four on threes, you get the open three, you get the pass to the wing, pump fake somebody, run at you, kick it to the corner. You get the dribble drive to the paint. And of course you should be enamored about the great three-point shooting of the Golden State Warriors. 
But where they gouge you at, Jacoby, is layups. They've been the best team in the restricted area and scoring inside of five feet in the NBA playoffs. Mm. The Golden State Warriors. So, if, like Jalen Brown said, we got to take away their layups. And if you're giving them threes and you're giving them layups, plus you're turning the ball over, in particular, they're getting steals, you're just not going to win game two. And I want to give the Warriors a lot of credit for coming out and playing with a sense of pride. They certainly did. Now, Jalen, Jordan Poole had a really rough game one, and he had a rough start to game two as well. It felt like maybe the final stage was too big for him. Nope, he threw a pool party in the third quarter. What do you think about the former Michigan Wolverine? I got to talk to Nephew. I think he wore the smallest shorts in the NBA. I was looking at him, another. I was like, yo, I'm glad he got on some tights under those things, because if he fall down, the camera going to be all up in his mix. But the, but, but, but the thing is, Jordan Poole is one of those guys unlike your brother. When he scores, it's loud. Mm -hmm. It's between the legs, behind the back. When he scores four points, you look up and feel like he got 12. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And the crowd gets energized, and then he's able to make a shot like he made at the end of the third quarter, a shot basically from half court. And again, I'm glad you said it. Non-existent in game one. Yep. Non-existent in the first half of game two. So what was the difference? The third quarter Warriors and the momentum of role players playing better at home. That was the difference. They needed it because nobody's going to talk about this today because it's not fashionable. Clay can't really get off yet. Mm-mm. And, and, we'll be and discussing let, that. Okay. And, 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 and so for a guy like Poole that could get his shots off the dribble, in a different way of, than Steph Curry, it energizes and opens up the offense and gives them that secondary score. If Clay's not going to be that guy, Draymond's not called on to be that guy to help carry you to 107 points in the game. And we've talked about this third quarter Warriors thing a lot. We've talked about it for years and years. But one thing that I'm old enough to remember, the first half of this game, where Jason Tatum looked like he was getting off. Remember Jason Tatum in the previous game was like a assist guy, like a Steve Nash facilitator? In the first quarter of this one, Jason Tatum was kind of getting whatever he wanted. He was hitting threes, looking good. Brown was looking good. But then the second half, they couldn't find the same production. What do you think about the difference between the first half Tatum and Brown and the second half Tatum and Brown? The Warriors and Steph Curry have a splash brother. At the point for the Boston Celtics, they have a crash brother. Mark is smart. So what does that mean? One has unlimited range and is known as the greatest three-point shooter that the league has seen. The other brings a defensive tenacity and is the defensive player of the year. He's not offensively driven like the previous point guards they had, like Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving, and Kimball Walker. So if these two guys have 36 points in the first half, and only nine points in the second half. I'm going to go deeper in the box score. Robert Williams III, who's playing injured. Like, I've been mm. telling you this on and off wax. He's out there limping. Like, I, I applaud him for being out there. But don't be surprised if he misses the next game. Still had two points. Al Horford, who made six threes, I believe, scored over 20, led the team in scoring. Had only two points. And then the guy I teed this up about, it's okay for Marcus Smart to be a lockdown defender. But if he's not going to score the ball only two points, it exposes the fact that he's not going to be a guy that's going to break down the defense 
and get Tatum and Brown layups and dunks or breastfeed, so to speak, the big fellas down low in Robert Williams or Al Horford. And so now all of a sudden, he's on a perimeter. He can't get off. Those guys have a big first half, and then they have nobody to create for them. So you mm. put that on them, but you also need somebody to make the game easier for them. And what Smart isn't scoring and your other three starters have two points each, then you just don't leave room for those guys to make plays for themselves and for others. But I want to give all of the credit to the Golden State Warriors defense. They played great defense. They got a musty win in game two. Jordan Poole started to get hot in the second half. Everything was great for the Warriors except Klay Thompson. They made a concerted effort to get Klay going, and he still didn't get going. How much is that a concern for the Warriors moving forward in this finals? We'll discuss that and much more right after this. You're watching Jalen and Jacoby. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coming to you live above the Heineken River Deck here in New York City. Welcome back to Jalen and Jacoby. Jalen Anthony Rose. What a game last night. As you mentioned it, big game from Steph Curry. Poole reinvigorated. However, some of the key role players that contributed to that game one win did not show up in game two for the Celtics. Of course, I am talking about the three starters that had two points each. Horford, Smart, and Robert Williams III. What happened last night and what do you expect to happen in Boston? Well, a couple of things. When you look at those stats, the limited volume. Mm -hmm. Like it's one thing to say they only had two points each, but they only attempted 11 total shots. And so they're going to need to be more aggressive. And a lot of that had to do with not only the 18 turnovers, and that's why I want to stress this, but the 15 steals, like that takes you out of everything you're trying to do when they're taking the ball away from you. For Al Horford in particular, they're going to need him to make his three-point shot to open up the floor. Mm. Like they look so different when he was making his three because they're now driving lanes for Tatum, driving lanes for Brown. And Marcus Smart just has to shoot better, play better. He's improved as an offensive, as an offensive player, but he has to give you more points. I anticipate that happening when they return home and playing in front of their fans. Before the series started, one of the keys that I had for the Celtics is the health of Robert Williams III. They need him to be the Time Lord. They need the Time Lord to be the Time Lord to erase shots at the rim, to catch lobs. And last night, he just did not look like himself. And as you mentioned so astutely, Mr. Rose, one shot attempt for Robert Williams III, that's not necessarily on him because he relies on others to get his shot attempts, but that just needs to change for them to be successful. Robert Williams III needs to, to be healthy and be more impactful. But Jacoby, here's the thing. He's injured. He's hobbled. Like he can barely put, he, he's like running on his toes, almost like if he puts his heel on the ground, it's going to be painful. And so what happens is he gets one shot attempt, 
because he isn't changing ends of the floor like he normally does. He isn't cutting as quick as he normally does. Therefore, he isn't as available for the drop pass or the lob that he normally gets. And so if he's not gonna be able to do that consistently, just watch for them to move Al Horford to the five. I know they're trying to get um, Tice some minutes, but I, I just see him as being an ineffective player in this series. So I look for Al Horford to play a lot more minutes at the five with Brown and Tatum and Grant Williams circling out what they're doing up front. But I anticipate a better effort clearly from the Boston Celtics in game three than they displayed in game two. It was a great performance from the Warriors. Anyone who watched the first game and said, ooh, maybe the Celtics are too physical and too defensive for this Warriors team must feel differently today. However, there is still cause for concern for the Golden State Warriors. Klay Thompson, Steph Curry didn't play in the fourth quarter. Klay Thompson did. It seemed like they were trying to get him some buckets to get him some rhythm going into the Boston part of the series, but he still wasn't himself missing not just shots, but open shots. Jalen, what has happened with Klay and how do they change it so he can, he can contribute when they go to Boston? I got you, family. So it lowers the percentage of make or miss when the shot is contested. Except when you Clay Thompson. It's a make or miss league. So I'm not gonna really say because they were contesting the shots he was missing. Mm -hmm. But I wanna tell you, this is why he was missing. They was making him dribble that ball. Oh yeah. You remember when Steph when, when Clay Thompson had 60 points in the NBA game? He only took 11 dribbles. Wow. You saw him dribble 11 times in these highlights, low lights. And what are they doing? They're running him off the three. See, it's one thing to contest. It makes it a make or miss. You see Al Horford contest, you see Pritchard contest. But it's another thing to run him off the line and force him to dribble the ball. At this age of, at this stage of his career, and after the injuries that he's had a couple of years in a row, his wheels ain't the same and in getting into like a one and two dribble move where he can go finish. And you're right, they tried to leave him in late to get him going until he went to the basket and tried to dunk and he got fouled and he got hit against the uh, the, the, the backstop. Stanchion, yep. And it was like, it was like hold on, hold on. Hold on. I, guess, <laughs> I guess we should probably get him out of the game because that's what I was thinking when I was watching the game. But in all honesty, I'm not worried about Clay. I'm not worried about Clay. The thing I'm worried about are the Boston Celtics bigs gonna give me the type of production I saw throughout this series, not uh, throughout these playoffs. Not only offensively, when they won game seven against the Bucks, Grant Williams led him in scoring. He got to stop letting the refs affect him so much. Mm -hmm. Like, when he get in the game, like, I ain't going to lie. If I played against him, I'd be like, we got to get a couple of fouls on him and he done. Like, all you got to do is get a couple of fouls on him and he done. He looking at the ref. And see, that's Draymond's game. And see, this is what happens. Draymond is not a shooter or a scorer. So he can play in the mud. He ain't got to be graceful out there. He ain't trying to like launch jumpers from the corner. But Grant Williams is. So he got to stay locked in psychologically. And I think Ime Adoka's leadership and the great coaching that the Boston Celtics staff has done all year, they're going to grab the young fella, put their arm around him. They're going to show him the clips of him getting too much into the officiating and allow him to work himself back into the series. They're going to need him to be productive. Jalen, 
Sometimes we get the great mic'd up sound from the players, and sometimes the microphones pick up some things the players say. There's one point last night during the game when Draymond Green is looking at Grant Williams and saying, you're not me, you're not me, you wish you were me. You wish you were me. And there's a part of that that played out on the court in game two. Jalen, it is time for one of our signature segments, cultural or regional. Now, I'm going to be honest, there's not too much debate about whether this one is cultural or regional, but we had to show you the video. Every year they have the cheese rolling contest somewhere in the United Kingdom. Get your people, man. We Get your people, man. We laugh at the Get your people, man. people falling down. Jalen Get your people, hates man. to fall. That's one thing I love about this is Jalen has an anti-falling stance. So Correct. It's not, it's, it's, this is just not for you. Is this cultural or regional? This is, this is definitely cultural and... Here's the one thing I want to say about this. Like, what's the what happens when you get the cheese? So here's the difference. <laughs> so like, your people say cheese and they roll down the hill to chase that cheese. My people roll down the hill to taste the green cheese. You know what I'm saying? That's what we would be falling down the hill to try to get. So please tell me what's happening here, fam. Uh, I have no idea. They don't even you seem like they're injured. going after the cheese. It doesn't even look like they're even going after the cheese. I think they're just doing it because they like to roll and fall. How did this even start? Why is it still happening? I can't even explain this one for my people, but we have a lot more to explain and some interesting news that has nothing to do with the finals from the NBA. We'll tell you what that is right after this. You're watching J&J. Someone's taking a 2-1 lead in the finals on Wednesday night. It's in Boston, and it's at 9 o'clock on ABC. Welcome back to Jalen and Jacoby. Even amidst the finals every day, we're going to recognize another day that Brittany Griner is still detained in Russia. 109 days? 109 days. Like Something needs to happen. You can help. You can go to WeRBG.org. We wish her a speedy, safe return to the United States. Please sign the petition at WeRBG.org. There is a lot of focus on the finals, but there's also some interesting information coming out of Utah. Quinn Snyder is no longer going to be the head coach of the Jazz, but Donovan Mitchell, according to Woj, is, quote, unsettled, unnerved, and wondering what it means for the franchise's future. Jalen Anthony Rose, what do you think this means for the future of Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz? See, I want to tell everybody a dirty secret. You can el eliminate the Quinn Snyder part of that, and Donovan Mitchell's feelings probably will be exactly the same. Mmm. You, you see what I mean? Like, I yep. want to make sure that people don't pair these. Look at the fact that Donovan Mitchell is a terrific young talent, and Utah has not met expectations. And we already talked about breaking up. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Stay tuned and check us out tomorrow. Grant Hill will be joining the show, the Hall of Famer. We always say we give the people what they want. Part of that is podcast exclusive content for our podcast listeners. Before we started the podcast, Jalen Rose said, let's start this because I got some therapy to get off of my chest. The floor is yours, Mr. Rose. So I love you, I love our staff, I love this show. And one of the things I think that allows us to gain the respect of the audience is our authenticity and our ability to be vulnerable publicly. 
And one of the things I decided when I was in college and I became a public figure and I had an image thrust upon me and I, I did a lot to cause people to call me a thug. I did a lot to make people feel like I was irresponsible and undisciplined. But there was a lot that I didn't do that people still put on me anyway. And one of the things I learned is that I'm gonna be as imperfect as possible publicly. I made my mind up. So if I mess up a name, if I spill something on my shirt, if I wear a bad haircut, if I say something wrong, if I do something wrong, like that's my personality because I'm not here to try to be perfect. And what I learned about our interview with Grant Hill that's gonna to air tomorrow, and I'm not putting words in his mouth, but this is what I finally just came to grips with today. I just learned, I just freaking learned this today after playing against him and, 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 and us being friends for, since we were 13 and I'm almost 50. I say this respectfully, Jacoby. In a lot of ways, I wanted to be him and he wanted to be me. Mm -hmm. Because the perfection I was avoiding is the perfection he had to live up to. And the imperfection I was living is what he wished he had. And so when I look deeper into all of that, look no further than our games. He's a high flyer, I'm a groundhog. He's a point forward, I was a point guard. He came from a stable two-parent home where his father was a former great athlete, and I love Calvin Hill, he was a beast, by the way, playing for the Cowboys. I also had a famous father that was a professional athlete, but I didn't know mine. And so I was a member of the Fab Five, and I embraced the long shorts, black shoes, black socks, putting on for my culture, you know, bald head. Yeah, I was disliked by the mass media, but I was loved by my people. When he signed to go to Duke, he was liked by mass media. He wasn't necessarily loved by our people. And that, 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 that's a tough dynamic for a black man to carry. I saw Will Smith deal with this. I saw Wayne Brady deal with this. Because you go to any hood or any ghetto and you bring up Duke and you act like that's your team, you get kicked off the block. You can't root for Duke in this hood, dog. You better be rooting for Georgetown. You better be rooting for UNLV. You better be rooting for Fab Five at Michigan. We don't wanna see you rooting for Duke, you know why? because Duke represented in a lot of ways what the establishment loved and what the establishment felt was perfect. And he as an athlete incoherently became a vessel for that because he's the greatest black player to ever play at Duke. The greatest one, you know what I'm saying? And so for him, he has to carry the burden for so many years of perfection and representing mass suburban media and fandom 
where he couldn't just be a black man in his own skin and enjoy his success. And then he gets drafted by my hometown team. Now, just that he gets drafted by my hometown team. And I remember coming to play them. And I truly remember thinking, I'm getting 80 tickets to this game. I'm barely getting minutes. And I'll never forget this, Jacoby. I was not looking forward to that game. Because at that point in my life, you want everything to be perfect. So it's like, if I'm gonna come home and I'm gonna get 80 tickets, I gotta be playing 35 minutes. I gotta be playing 35 minutes. And as the season started to progress, and I believe, I believe this was my rookie year. I believe this was my rookie year. Like three games before that, we had like an injury. I forgot who got hurt. And I got, and, and Larry Brown, and I say this word because it was accurate, was forced to play me. Like there was a period of time where he's bringing people out of the stands to play ahead of me. And no shots to the guys that were playing ahead of me. I love Dwayne Farrell, Fred Hoiberg, Travis Best, uh, Jerome Allen, Haywood Workman. Like, they were all playing in front of me. And, and if you noticed, that's like seven people. There's only 15 people on the roster. Like, he literally mm. is playing everybody in front of me. You see what I'm saying? And I remember thinking, I don't want to go to Detroit and play against Grand Hill, and I'm over here getting DMPs. And we had an injury like three days. I'm going to go back and look this up. We had, I believe we had an injury like three games before we played them. And I played a lot against Atlanta. I think Atlanta we played before Detroit. And I had like 20 against the Hawks. So I was like, when we go play the Pistons, I know I'm going to play. That game, I was one rebound from a triple-double. I think I had like 20 points, like 12 assists, and you know I don't rebound. I had like nine rebounds, eight rebounds. That was my best game of my rookie year. And I remember thinking, I got a chance to be just as good as Grant Hill. And you know what he was thinking that I learned? I wish I got this hood love that Jalen Rose gets. There's a movie, um, uh, 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 what's it called? Face Off. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 um, John Don't Travolta. You oh, oh you, can, you, can, you can name them both? I'd be shocked if you could name both of these actors. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, John Travolta and uh, Nicolas Cage. Yeah! Boy. There's, right. no, there's no black people in that movie. <laughs> right. And, 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 and in that movie, everybody who haven't seen it, is basically... Um, it's basically one person trying to live another per. It's, it's both people appreciating who they are and the values that make them who they are. But man, if I could be that other guy, it'll be out of worldly. It'll be out of body. And Face Off was the name. Thank you, Brandy. Face Off was the name of the movie. And when we talked to Grand Hill just now, it reminded me of we had a 30-plus year Face Off. I ain't even talking about the score of the game. Like, on the court, he's the hammer, I'm the nail. 
Like, I, I, like 0-4 against him in college. Um, once in the national championship. I don't know what our record was head-to-head -head in the league, but all I know is when I was getting DMPs, he was first-team All-NBA our rookie year. That's all I know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's, that's all I know. And for seven straight years, he was All-NBA when we started our careers. I played 13 years. I never made All-NBA. I should have made it, though, but I never made it. And I admire him. And you know what else? I want people to I want people to draw from our relationship how two black men for public consumption can agree to disagree can also want to be like one another in so many different ways without it being jealousy. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like when you play in sports, he said it. He told a story that a grumpy Jalen Rose at 13 years of age was in Washington, D.C., and his mother took us out to lunch. And he said all I was doing was me mugging him. Like, I'm ashamed of that. I ain't proud of that. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that's cool. I don't think that's cute. You see what I'm saying? But I was hardened by my life circumstance. And I felt like he had everything I wanted. And the crazy thing is I had so many things that he wants. Wow. It's a great interview. You can hear it tomorrow on the podcast exclusive. We'll have the unedited version of the interview. Now, there's two things I want to discuss. That's crazy. Well, one thing, we only got a couple more minutes, but one thing I want to discuss is we almost had it last night. It almost happened. The all-white Celtics lineup in garbage. <laughs> I thought about you. Peyton <laughs> Pritchard's is too good. But when I saw Hauser hit a three, I was like, wait a second. And Stauskas is in there, and then Cornette was in there. It was just Neesmith just getting in the way. Like, come on, Neesmith. You did, it, we're a Neesmith injury away from getting the full experience and, of the And then he scored, Celtics too. Lineup. And then he scored, too. I think he scored like a layup or uh, something yeah. like that. Yeah, Hauser hit a three and Stauskas hit a three. <laughs> Oh, man. One, but we almost had that. And also, we always celebrate power couples here, and we also have to recognize the ending of some power couples. And, Jalen, you know exactly who I'm talking about. So I want to say something that's really dangerous into the atmosphere that I don't like. It happened to me indirectly in my relationship. And if you noticed, whatever I've been dealing with in my personal life, I've never once intimated it on this show. Not one time. And I'm not going to do it today. But here's what I am going to do. I got a problem out there where people think they're laughing at Michael Jordan. I got a problem with that. Like today, Jacoby, people are key keying and making Michael B. Jordan. Mike King, K-I-N-G, Michael B. Jordan, one of the most successful human beings, one of the most talented human beings, one of the most handsome, one of the most well-dressed, one of the most uh, in-shape human beings on the earth. People are now teasing him because allegedly Lori Harvey told him that she didn't want to get married. And so now it's 
The future jokes are coming back up. Tell Steve Harvey I don't wanna. And Steve Harvey's my OG. He's been on this show. I listened to him this morning when I was coming to do the show. And I also paid attention to what was being said on social media when they showed him at the game last night. And when they showed him at the game last night, he did look hurt. He did look hurt. And I just wanna like give him a shout out. And I wanna acknowledge that while their power couple dynamic didn't work, I want people to always know you don't have to choose a side when it don't work out. Like y'all don't know what was happening during their pillow talk. That's why it's called that. So we don't now have to pick her side or pick his side. It just didn't work out. And they separate to their, to their own corners like in a boxing match and keep fighting a good fight. Well, we're gonna explore that relationship dynamic and only two people know what's happening in a relationship and those are the two people that are in it and tomorrow you'll see grant hill and jalen rose explore their relationship dynamic in a very revealing interview we will be back tomorrow with that very special interview why is that jalen anthony rose? we're not done we're not done we are not done Got to give the